Chapter 1 A cherry-red 1965 Mustang convertible sailed over the treacherous, uneven pavement on the singular winding road up to Gotham City's own Arkham Asylum. The driver cursed as she failed to avoid a pothole just before the narrow road opened up into a private lot, which the young woman noted was maintained only marginally better than the drive. She cautiously allowed her car to creep forward, both to avoid another unfortunate pothole and also in an attempt to find a parking spot where she wouldn't be in anyone's way. The latter task proved rather simple when she noticed a sign in the space immediately to her right that read, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, M.D. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, she said, beaming while mocking herself by adding extra emphasis to her credentials. She really was a doctor now. A real-life, practicing psychiatrist. She pulled in, making sure she had spaced her vehicle an equal distance from the cars on either side. Harleen didn't know if being a bad driver was a blonde stereotype, but since just about everything else was unsavory, she decided it was in her best interest to rise above the status quo. Harleen was done being that girl. Done being that bimbo. She was manifesting a new reputation, one she could be proud of. Her mother had always said first impressions were everything, and Harleen Quinzel was more than ready to make hers. Arkham, eat your heart out. She said to the rearview mirror, her wide, blue eyes staring intently back at her. She narrowed them, trying to make herself appear somehow harder. She had a tendency to appear innocent, childish, even, but that would have to be left at the door. Harleen Quinzel was not weak, and she refused to be made a meal of. After double-checking her reflection, she reached for the comb in her glove box, pushing the last loose strand of blonde hair back into place. Good enough. Don't fuck this up, Harley, she pointed an accusatory index finger at herself in the mirror. Do. Not. Fuck. This. Up. Harleen, good to put a face to the name. I'm Dr. Joan Leland. The middle-aged brunette extended a hand. Harley set her briefcase on the ground and shook back, careful not to appear too eager or bashful. She wanted her colleagues to see her as the confident, qualified young woman she believed herself to be. Just call me Harley. Everyone does. Joan smiled somewhat pleasantly at her, and then continued, I trust you found your parking space. Harley nodded. I did, yes. She wished there was more to say, something to elaborate on to impress or interest her new boss, but it wasn't like she could compliment the facilities. Although this wasn't the first state-run psychiatric hospital she'd stepped foot in, it was absolutely the most decrepit. How about you set your things down in the office, and I'll give you the tour. Silently, Harley followed Dr. Leland to a room at the end of the entrance hall, past the various security checkpoints which included an armed guard, a metal detector, and a room labeled Metahuman Processing. The room Leland had led her to appear to be a doctor's lounge of some sort, with a sink in the corner and a microwave on the counter. Two men in matching white lab coats sat on the couches, each claiming one for himself. This is Dr. Graham and Dr. Kane, Leland gestured to the man on the left first and then the right. Gentlemen, meet our newest resident psychiatrist, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. But you can call me Harley, she grinned, forgetting for a moment that she was attempting to establish herself as a serious professional. We usually keep it to last names only here at Arkham, Dr. Quinzel. It sets a good example for the patients, Joan's correction was gentle. Oh, Harley hoped her face didn't appear as red as it felt. Of course. 
She gave a slightly awkward nod to her new co-workers and somewhat clumsily set her briefcase down against the wall. Before Harley could consider herself settled, Dr. Leland had turned and exited without saying another word. Taking the hint, Harley jogged after her, adjusting her pace once she'd caught up. The two women rounded a corner, passing by another security check, and were all at once standing at the end of a wide hallway. The walls were lined with glass-doored cells, and Harley could hear spirited conversations between the prisoners, air patients wafting towards her. While Harley was taking in her surroundings, Dr. Leland had abruptly stopped walking, Harley noticing the change in direction in barely enough time to stop herself from running face first into the other woman. That would have made quite the impression. Please don't take this the wrong way, Harley. Leland said the nickname like camaraderie was a foreign concept. But why are you here? Harley was caught off guard by the direct nature of the question. X excuse me. The woman's face softened slightly. With grades like yours you could have gone anywhere. Why are you here? Why would you subject yourself to this? Harley was relieved. It seemed Dr. Leland had meant her question as a compliment. The answer was easy. To be honest Joan, I'm simply fascinated by the criminal psyche, extreme personalities especially. Working here is actually a bit of a dream come true. That will wear off quickly, don't worry, Joan snorted, starting down the hallway. I hope you're not planning on writing a tell-all book about this. These people can see a cash grab coming a mile away. They are animals and they will use any leverage or perceived weakness to get the upper hand. Harley kept in stride with her boss, who, it turned out, was an impressively fast walker. Well, you can't deny there's an element of glamour to these super-criminals. They were passing the first set of cells now. A man peered out of one on the left-hand side, obsessively licking the glass. But no, on principle I am not at Arkham simply for the elevated profile, Harley finished. Then there's a chance you might survive here, Leland said, pausing again with her back to a seemingly empty cell. Harley looked over the woman's shoulder at the warmly lit three-walled room. A shelf containing a variety of potted plants was set against the glass. Harley could see one of them blooming, an eye-catching crimson blossom. Step away from the glass, Joker, Dr. Leland implored a patient in the opposite direction of Harley's attention, then sighed, lowering her voice back to a conversational volume. You'll come to know the occupants pretty quickly. Which ones are beyond hope of reform, and which ones just happen to lose their way? It's a fairly simple delineation, in most cases. Harley, distracted by this point, watched as a woman's hand reached out from behind the brick portion of the cell to water the potted plants. Harley squinted, unable to tell if the green tint to the woman's skin was just a trick of the light or some sort of bizarre condition. And what about the other cases? Harley asked, brushing by Dr. Leland towards the woman's hand as it retracted with the watering can back out of sight. The ones who aren't so cut and dry. Dr. Leland turned to see where Harley was headed. Master manipulators. They will set a trap and have you wrapped around their finger before you know it. You have to continually remind yourself that you are in charge of the situation. You are not powerless. Leland watched for a moment. And that one. She pointed to the cell which Harley was now standing directly in front of. She's the worst of them. Who? Harley turned away from Dr. Leland to peer into the cell, 
and was startled by the breathtaking red-headed woman who'd suddenly appeared on the other side of the glass. It was not a trick of the light, the woman's skin did, in fact, have a green tint to it. How odd. But what Harley found considerably more engrossing were her eyes. They shone an almost alarming shade of harlequin green, like they had been colored by an electrically charged magic marker. Poison Ivy, the redhead purred in response to Harley's question, her lips nearly brushing the glass as she spoke. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Chapter 2 Poison Ivy's voice had a melodic quality to it that made Harley want to move closer to the glass, nearer to the sound. Yoohoo! Blondie, a distinctive male voice escaped a cell behind her, having quite the opposite effect. The sharpness of the man's tone curdled Harley's stomach acid. Joker! Dr. Leland once again yelled at the cell on the opposite side of the room. I said step back from the glass. But Joni, the man pleaded. Your new friend is so positively scrumptious. I'm warning you, Joker, Dr. Leland threatened, her tone biting, protective. Don't make me revoke your cafeteria privileges. You're never any fun, Joni. Can't you take a joke? The man pouted. Although Harley always appreciated a good pun, she hadn't felt the need to turn around and watch the exchange. She knew what the Joker looked like, she'd seen him on TV and in the paper countless times. It was actually his case that had drawn Harley to Arkham in the first place. His mania was so unpredictable that she saw him as a challenge, one that might earn her respect within the mental health community. But there was something in this woman's eyes, this poison ivy that dared Harley not to look away, not to even blink. This, Dr. Quinzel, is Pamela Isley, Leland had evidently returned her attention to Harley. Dr. Pamela Isley, Ph.D. The redhead corrected, a smirk playing on her lips as she finally, wordlessly, allowed Harley to shift her gaze. As long as we're throwing around our credentials, Ms. Leland. She put extra emphasis on the informal title, I'd like our new friend here to know exactly what she's dealing with. We're all professionals, after all. Although, when weighed against each other, most would agree that the requirements for a degree in botanical engineering are far more rigorous than for psychology. Psychiatry Forensic psychiatry, now it was Harley's turn to correct. Ivy's ears pricked up. Ah, she speaks. Harley blushed despite herself and Leland crossed her arms, unimpressed. Dr. Isley here is what we refer to as a metahuman dot. Like Superman. Harley asked, remembering the special room they'd passed earlier, her voice barely louder than a whisper. Ivy scoffed at the comparison. Believe me, Daffodil, I look a lot better in tights than that overgrown Boy Scout. Shall we move along? Leland asked, putting a hand on Harley's shoulder. You'll have plenty of time to go over Pamela's storied history in session. Ivy didn't attempt to hide her disgust at the name Joan had used. Pamela is the name of someone's grandmother or a certain gullible teacher's pet, she focused her attention solely on Harley. You will refer to me as Dr. Isley or Poison Ivy, or you will not refer to me at all. Is that understood, Daffodil? Harley's lips began moving before her mind could catch up. Ye was Harley about to say yes, ma'am. To a patient. She was, she actually was. A master manipulator. Harley remembered Dr. Leland's warning and narrowed her eyes at the metahuman standing before her. 
I am your doctor, Pamela. I will refer to you however I please, and you will address me as Dr. Quinzel only. I am not your friend. I am not some flower to be cultivated, Harley gestured to the potted plants that stood between ivy and the glass. I am here to help you reform. Harley had expected the woman to don a look of defeat or humility, something to acknowledge Dr. Quinzel's assertion of dominance. What she did not expect was for Poison Ivy to smile. But she smiled. A sly, glamorous migration of the woman's plump red lips, revealing a set of perfectly straight ivory teeth, that looked even brighter up against the green tint of her skin. I'll be seeing you in session, Dr. Quinzel, the words oozed from her lips like honey from a beehive. I'm looking forward to it. Chapter 3 Harley and Dr. Leland stopped outside of a locked, wooden door just past the doctor's lounge. It was the last stop on their tour. Well, those are the basics. It might take some time to get used to the layout and more importantly, get used to the patients but I think you'll catch on quickly. You seem very bright. Harley was powerless against the grain that overtook her features. Her smiles tended not to be restricted to her mouth, but rather full face, full body movements. She so rarely received a compliment on her acumen rather than her physical assets, and it felt unbelievably good coming from her superior, her female superior. Male professors and co-workers were never shy about showing their fondness, although it was usually in reference to her impressive flexibility on the gymnastics mat or her shapely, athletic physique, puke, rather than her intelligence or academic interests. With a woman, Harley thought it was less likely there was an ulterior motive. Thank you, Joan or Dr. Leland. Yes, I think I'll get the hang of it sooner rather than later. Joan smiled back at her. You won't have any sessions for the rest of today or tomorrow. This time should be dedicated to studying the files of the patients we've assigned you. You need to know them inside and out. Knowledge is power, Dr. Quinzel, and you should have every possible weapon at your disposal when you walk in. Yes, ma'am, Harley nodded, excitement beginning to bubble up in her chest. This is your office, Leland said, gesturing to the door and placing a singular key in Harley's hand. You will find the necessary case files on your desk. She gave a curt nod and headed back towards the doctor's lounge. Harley took a few anticipatory breaths before slipping the key into the lock and turning the handle. Her office was sparsely decorated, in fact, the only thing in the entire room was a large wooden desk which sat oddly at the center. Harley could plainly see the reading material Leland had assigned her, but the bouquet of flowers sitting atop it was unexpected. Bright yellow and bound together in a pretty green vase, the daffodils provided the sole source of color in the otherwise drab room. Harley set her briefcase down and approached the desk somewhat cautiously. As she got nearer, she noticed a white piece of paper tied to the neck of the vase with red ribbon. Gingerly, she untied it. Scrawled in well-plotted cursive, the note read, So long as men can breathe or eyes can see. So long lives this, and this brings life to thee. And was signed Pamela in the same penmanship. Harley plucked a flower from the bunch and raised it to her nose, inhaling deeply. It smelled fresh, like the first day of spring, like freshly cut grass and baseball in the front yard. It smelled like home. A bizarre mix of emotions washed over Harley then, all of which seemed to gang up on her, bringing a single tear to her eye. She blinked and the droplet fell from her lashes and onto the note. 
There it mixed with the black ink, distorting it, blurring the smooth peaks and valleys of the letters. Harley hadn't the slightest clue why the smell had affected her in such a way, why the sudden bout of nostalgia had overwhelmed her and sunk beneath her skin, but she knew breaking into a psychiatrist's office was strictly against the rules. Harley approached the woman's cell cautiously, the same way she had the flowers. Although her rational mind was reminding her that there was no real danger while poison ivy was in her cell, she'd decided it was better to be safe than sorry. Besides, if she really had been locked securely in her cell, how had she delivered the flowers? Harley's caution was more than warranted. The young doctor could see the villainous laying on her cot, absent-mindedly curling a piece of her thick red hair around her index finger. She was turned slightly towards the back wall of her cell, at just enough of an angle that Harley could approach her without being noticed. Hey, sweet cheeks! That same sharp male voice yelled. Harley stopped in her tracks, the heat of Joker's gaze on her neck. Seemed Poison Ivy had heard him too because she sat up on her cot, her eyes meeting Harley's. Joker had thwarted her stealth mode. Damn it. Why hello, Dr. Quinzel. Back so soon. Harley restrained her own arm from bonking her on the forehead for her stupidity. Ivy made a show of crossing her long legs. Did you like my little gift? Harley pulled on her professional exterior once more and approached the glass with all the feigned confidence she could muster. I did, she tightened her smile like Dr. Leland would. I'm sure the guards would be interested to know you were out of your cell. MMM, I thought this one could be our little secret, Ivy winked, her long eyelashes making the not-so-subtle movement all the more dramatic. Harley crossed her arms and looked the woman up and down. It took all she had not to want to cover herself up for how inadequate she felt standing before this woman. But she didn't let it show, instead, she pushed her round glasses further up the bridge of her nose and smiled her wide, charming smile. Navigating this place must be a breeze for you. Ivy looked mildly intrigued, subtly leaning forward. I mean, look at you. Beautiful, smart and a metahuman. This place must be your personal playground. Use your assets or your wit to get a guard to let you out of your cell. Sit silently during therapy sessions, wasting everyone's time, all the while plotting your escape, you're the queen of your domain. And then what? You get out, you break the law, you get caught, you get thrown back in here. Ivy's body language shifted slightly. She was not pushing out her chest as far anymore and her back was somewhat rounded. Her expression remained the same, though, sultry with a hint of vapid. Gosh, Harley continued. A hyper-intelligent scientist with a PhD, and yet here you are. Playing your little games. It all just seems so sad. And with that, Harley turned her back on the woman and started swiftly back to her office. A spring in her step, a smile on her face. The Joker cat called her as she passed his cell, but she hardly even registered it. Dr. Harleen Quinzel was in the building. Chapter 4 Pamela Lillian Isley, Harley read aloud as she cracked open the thick file on her desk. The envelope showed signs of wear on its binding, Harley could tell she wasn't the first psychiatrist to delve into Ms. Isley's medical file, but with any luck, she might be the last. Pamela's mugshot was paperclipped to the inside cover and Harley was reasonably aghast at how gorgeous the woman could look even in such an unflattering setting. She flipped past the photo and noticed Dr. Isley's age was redacted, but her birthplace was there, Seattle, Washington. 
Harley had never been to Seattle. Actually, she'd never really been outside of Gotham City limits. Okay, well, that's not entirely true, she acknowledged. As a child and teenager Harley had been an accomplished gymnast, and her talent had taken her all across the country competing for medals and awards. Even so, those trips were hardly meant for the enjoyment of the athlete. The girls weren't allowed out of their hotel rooms and had a strict curfew and diet regimen that they lived by. Gripping the sides of the file now, Harley swore she could still feel the chalk on her hands. She wiped them on her skirt despite protest from her rational mind. Isley, born to wealthy parents. She skimmed. Advanced biochemistry and botanical engineering, Dr. Jason Woodrow. Harley stopped and heeded the addendum next to his name. She flipped to the appropriate page of the file. Dr. Jason Woodrow, she repeated, tapping her ballpoint pen against her lips. Floronic man. There were two pictures of the man included in the file, one of a somewhat zany-looking brunette, and the other some horribly distorted creature with elongated features and a nymph-like body constructed of, well, wood it appeared. What Harley found more alarming was the young woman standing next to his more human likeness. She was pale with freckles splashed across her cheeks. Thick, black-rimmed glasses teetered on the end of her nose, and her dirty red hair was pulled back into a loose ponytail. Stray locks of hair had fallen onto her shoulder, and despite her immature age, there were heavy bags under her green eyes. Harley knew that look, she knew it well. It was the look of a student who had pulled an all-nighter cramming for a test or trying to finish some paper. The young woman's posture was lacking, making her appear small and meek in comparison to the lanky man standing next to her. Her smile was also tired, half-hearted. But it wasn't just that. The woman was smiling at her professor sheepishly, like she was embarrassed to even be looking. She was taking advantage of his removed attention to gaze at him. And it was really not a smile at all, now that Harley looked closer, it was the beginning of a bashful grin. The woman in that picture was not the villainous poison ivy, she was Pamela Isley, as nature had intended. Harley had planned to turn in for the night, but when she opened her desk drawer to stow her files she found a collection of videotapes, as many tapes as there were files. She shuffled them around until she found what she was looking for, the tape labeled Pam. Fleetingly, Harley wondered what Poison Ivy would think of that nickname, and Harley smiled a little, doubting she would like it. She pushed the tape into her office VCR, which stood along with a bulky TV in the shadows of the heavy curtains near the window. Pushing her round glasses up on the bridge of her nose again and examining the remote, Harley triumphantly pressed the play button. The black screen gave way to an image of that same young PhD candidate from the photo. She was sitting across a table in an empty room. A man's voice came from somewhere behind the camera. Why do you want to work at Wayne Enterprises, Dr. Isley? He asks. She looked uneasily at the camera, clearly uncomfortable. Well, she said, finally, I want to change the world. I want to help save it, and your facilities are arguably the best in the country. Despite her ambitious language, Pamela's voice was rather quiet, although the melodic quality Harley had noted earlier was still there. The tape then made a harsh cut to a rather shaky video taken outdoors. It was dark and the camera was trained on the building Harley recognized as Gotham First National Bank. The building, which Harley knew was one of the tallest new additions to the city's skyline, was surrounded by thick, green vines that slithered around the facade, 
pulsing, squeezing, creating cracks in the building's infrastructure. Bystanders screamed as a vine shot out of one of the second-story windows, and a green-skinned woman, clad in a leotard made from leaves and vines, stepped out past the ledge, allowing the vine to carry her closer to the ground. It was poison ivy in full effect. Run, you sorry meat sacks, she yelled. Harley jumped back as the ivy in the video thrust her hand forward, and the vines from around the building began to attack the citizens. One smashed into the camera lens and the video cut out. Harley sat there in the silence, unaware she'd been gripping the edge of her desk until her hand began to ache. She leaned back, relinquishing her grip and using the remote to turn off the TV. Rough winds to shake the darling buds of May, Harley recited aloud to herself, although it was really more of a whisper, her high voice barely audible even in the empty room. Chapter 5 You can never go wrong with Shakespeare, Poison Ivy whispered to the little cactus by her cot. The sonnets are accessible, even for those who aren't all that well read. She twirled her hair on her index finger, sighing at the state of her hands. She'd been in Arkham so long her calluses had healed. Ivy longed to put her hands back in the soil. She closed her eyes and could almost feel the moist earth between her fingers, caked under her nails. Ivy rolled her eyes at the cactus response. She's a psychiatrist, that's hardly a doctor. Her job is to keep us dosed up and pretend she has even an inkling of insight into the useless abyss that is the typical human brain. She reached a hand out and gently stroked the spines that jutted out from the plant. No, I'm not saying she's dumb, but she is reckless. I could kill her in a second and she doesn't seem to be terribly concerned. Isley, who are you talking to? The guard standing outside her cell demanded. Myself, she replied as if it were the most natural thing in the world. I'm crazy, remember? Criminally insane. Why else would I be here? The guard quickly glanced around her cell at the potted plants. Fine, but if that cactus so much as looks at me funny. Ivy sighed. You, sir, are utterly insignificant. Don't I have a therapy session you should be taking me to? Dr. Quinzel was already waiting in her chair, notebook in hand, when Ivy entered the room. The blonde was wearing a red button-down with a white necktie and a matching white pencil skirt under her lab coat. Ivy knew then that Dr. Quinzel likely came from a poor family because she looked like a little girl playing professional dress-up in her father's only good suit. Although Ivy had to admit that the doctor was wearing the outfit rather admirably, sure the skirt helped, but even with some skin-tight assistance, a necktie was not an easy accessory for a woman to pull off. You're looking rather dapper, Ivy told her essentially as she could while being forcibly led in chains. Why thank you, Ivy. Go ahead and take a seat. We're good here, Clarence, she smiled at the guard and he ducked out of the room, then turned to Ivy who had lain herself down on the reclining patient's chair. Is it okay if I call you Ivy? I seem to remember you saying poison Ivy or DR. Isley. Ivy smiled at the girl. It wasn't just the tie that made Dr. Quinzel look young, Ivy realized. She was young. And her eyes, so big and blue, had an innate and unshakable innocence to them that, frankly, disappointed Ivy. This no longer appeared to be the challenge she'd hoped for. Ivy is fine. The young doctor looked pleased. How sweet, Ivy thought. She's considering that a victory. I'm sorry, Ivy said aloud. 
but I never did catch your first name. It's Harleen, she said. But for the sake of these sessions I think it's best that you call me Dr. Quinzel. Fair enough, Ivy conceded. Wouldn't want to get you in trouble with your big, bad boss. Dr. Quinzel hardly let Ivy's mouth shut before stating, so you're a diagnosed bipolar with obsessive-compulsive tendencies. She phrased it like a question, but it was clearly rhetorical. Oh. Ivy propped herself up on her elbow. No foreplay. I'm disappointed, Dr. Quinzel. With that pretty little figure of yours I thought you'd have more finesse. Do you always deflect difficult questions with sexual innuendo? The doctor shot back without blinking, but Ivy could see a slight blush creeping up her cheeks. Ivy raised an eyebrow. Did you not read my file? I usually secrete pheromones to go with the whole routine, but unfortunately, they don't work on women, so I'm afraid I'll have to go in the dry, she chuckled at her own joke. Harleen smirked. Is that what happened with Jason Woodrow? You seduced him. Because from your file it sounds like it was the other way around. Now it was Ivy's turn to feel heat rising in her cheeks, this, however, was out of anger rather than bashfulness or flattery. You don't know what you're talking about, little girl, Ivy said as sweetly as she could. Cloyingly sweet, in fact. Why is it so important for you to assert your superiority over people by degrading them? I'm a doctor, Ivy, we've gone over this. I am not a flower and I'm most certainly not a little girl, she leaned back in her chair, whether to put space between her and her patient or to assume a sort of power stance, Ivy wasn't sure. That teacher's pet you were talking about the other day, the one that deserved the name Pamela, that was you. I know Jason Woodrow was your professor back in college. Ivy rolled her eyes. Her therapy sessions were always about either Woodrow or her emotionally distant parents. The doctors always wanted to make a victim out of her, but Poison Ivy was not a victim. Pamela was, sure, but she had left Pamela behind a long time ago. Yes, Ivy finally said, knowing full well that the only way to get past this subject and back to her cell was to admit to some things, just enough to satisfy the doctor's prodding, but not enough to ever really give anything away. He was my professor and my PhD supervisor. And you were in love with him. Ivy sighed. What a comical notion. What an innocent notion. I was enamored by his acumen. Enamored. Dr. Quinzel repeated, scribbling something on her notebook. He impressed you. He inspired you. Ivy nodded. He was a brilliant scientist at the top of my field. He took an interest in me, and I was flattered. That was the extent of our relationship and he asked that you trust him. Ivy ran her long, elegant fingers down her pant leg, smoothing out the wrinkles. At the time I had no reason not to. Other than that he was a man, of course. She chuckled to herself again. Which honestly should have been a red flag for me at the start. The doctor was writing something. So, at this point, you've sworn off an entire gender. Smiling, Ivy purred, an entire sex, daffodil. Surely, as a psychiatrist, you should know the difference. The doctor couldn't keep the heat out of her cheeks this time. There was something nervous about the blush, something insecure. I think that was just an excuse for you to say sex, Dr. Isley. Ivy's smile was wide with mischief now. 
Oh, so it's Dr. Isley now, is it? Harleen was scribbling furiously in her notebook, and from studying the patterns of her hand, Ivy deduced that she was doing just that scribbling rather than making actual notes. Ivy found her obvious discomfort endearing. Would you like to ask about my childhood now, or shall we save that for next time? Guard. Dr. Quinzel said, getting up from her chair and folding the cover of her notebook back into place. Let's pick that up next time, Dr. Isley. Again, Ivy said, biting her bottom lip. I look forward to your insight. Harlene rolled her eyes at the suggestion and knocked on the window for Clarence. Ivy was ushered out of the room shortly thereafter. Chapter 6 Come on, Pam. I've watched you check that five times already. You're done, Alec put his hands on Pamela's shoulders, straightening her back from where it was hunched over her desk. I'm really not, Pam said, subtly flinching at the unwelcome contact. Damien, Linda and I are going to blow off some steam. You look like you could use a drink, his eyes twinkled as he craned his neck around in front of her, trying his very best to break her unwavering concentration. Pamela punched something into her calculator. I don't drink. Okay, well, maybe it's time you let your hair down, Alex squeezed her shoulders, sending a shiver down her spine. Seriously, Pam, when was the last time you went anywhere without Woodrow? That guy's stiff. Pamela set her pencil down and turned to Alec. That guy is our boss. Exactly. Alec laughed. Come on, Pam. One night out with your peers isn't going to kill you. You already have that apprenticeship in the bag anyway. You're just competing against yourself at this point. You are your own worst enemy, right? Pam smiled placidly up at her coworker. He returned his hands to her shoulders, this time looking at her straight on. You don't need another enemy, Pam. You need a friend. Pamela sighed. Fine. What's Linda like? Incredible. Alex beamed. I wouldn't have married her if she were anything less. Ah, finally, some animation had found its way into Pam's expression. So you're a prick at home too, then. A prick. Alec laughed. Why Ms. Isley, I do declare. He fanned himself with his hand. We'd been working together for four years before I even knew you could talk, and now here you are, calling me a prick. Pam laughed, a real laugh, throaty and altogether pleasant. It was the most accurate. Pamela. Alec. What are you doing? A man's voice came from the doorway. Alec spun around in that direction. Professor Woodrow, I was just inviting Dr. Isley out for a drink. The professor was leaning against the doorframe that separated the laboratory and the office. His brown hair was a tangled mess on his head, and his beard was untrimmed and littered with scraggly gray flecks. When added to his fraying clothing, the professor could be described as generally disheveled. Pamela doesn't drink, he said, pushing off and starting into the room. Alec began to look a bit uneasy, no, yes, I know. She doesn't have to drink, he turned back to Pam, stating reassuringly, you don't have to drink. Pamela nodded back in a clear attempt to placate both men. She's working, the professor said, coming to stand behind the wooden chair Pam was still sitting in. She's finished, 
Alec pointed out the completed equation on her paper. Wudra's eyes narrowed at Alec. In a show of dominance, he patted Pamela on the head, much like one would a good dog. I'm, I'm still working, Pamela said, turning back to her paper. Alec looked a little upset, but Pamela refused to make further eye contact so he simply left without another word to either of them. Poison Ivy wistfully stroked the front of her potted fern, gently massaging the green in between her fingers. Despite her reverent touch, she felt a distracted restlessness in her mind that was rather unfamiliar. If I had to guess, she would say the feeling was boredom. She had only been in Arkham two weeks this time, and was already getting antsy. Usually, it took three to six months for her to get fed up with the monotonous routine. But maybe it wasn't the routine she found so tedious, maybe she was bored with herself. Ivy scrunched her nose at the thought. She had always been a bit of a lone wolf, even when she was Pamela. She did things that served her and served her cause. She didn't care about human existence let alone human company. But now, sitting alone in her cell, the silence was almost deafening. Ivy's cafeteria privileges had been revoked when she spat poison on a guard immediately after Batman dropped her off. They never even gave her a chance to apologize. Not that she would have, but still. She would have liked the benefit of the doubt. Feed a few people to your Venus flytrap, and suddenly you're barely worthy of basic human decency. Hello, Dr. Isley. Ivy's ears pricked up at the high, clear voice of her new psychiatrist. Dr. Quinzel approached her cell, tray of food in hand. I thought I would eat lunch with you today, the blonde said, a wide smile on her face. Ivy raised an eyebrow, failing to understand this therapeutic approach. Why? Harlene shrugged. I heard you weren't allowed in the cafeteria and thought you might be lonely. Companionship is a human desire, Ivy was matter-of-fact, grabbing her watering can from where it sat on her shelf and tipping it into the base of her fern. Dr. Quinzel shook her head, sitting down on the dirty floor in front of Ivy's cell. You see the need for companionship in almost any species, even plants. That's what an ecosystem is, isn't it? A community of plants aiding in a common goal. Ivy sighed and crossed her arms. In the most rudimentary of terms. M.M., Harleen hummed, pleased with herself as she took a bite of her sandwich. It's tuna, she told Ivy, unprompted. Ivy eyed her sideways. It smells absolutely disgusting. I know. Harleen laughed. It tastes horrible too, if you can believe it. The sandwich plopped soggily back onto her tray. I can, Ivy said, sitting down on the cot behind her. Dr. Quinzel reached into the pocket of her lab coat and produced a pack of gum. You want one? She asked, holding the pack up to the holes in the glass door. Ivy cocked her head at the bizarre show of friendliness. When she didn't answer, Harleen shrugged and unwrapped a piece for herself, popping it into her mouth and chewing it quickly before swallowing it. Suit yourself. Did you grow up in Gotham? Ivy asked, inquiring about the momentary slip in the doctor's accent. Oh God, Harleen closed her eyes. I was hoping you didn't catch that. Yes, born and raised in Gotham City. I've been training myself out of that accent since I started college. Why? Ivy asked, although she could venture a guess. Blonde hair, this body, and that stupid accent. 
They wouldn't have even let me into the classroom, let alone given me a degree. Ivy laughed at that despite herself. The girl had a point, it would have been easy to assume that she was simple-minded, not that the jury had come back on that yet. You know the drill, Harley said, taking a bite of her apple. You were a pretty girl. Ivy's fists clenched and back stiffened involuntarily. No. I am a beautiful woman. Oh, of course, Harleen chewed. I'm talking about Pamela. Poison bit at the back of Ivy's throat. Pamela didn't care if she was pretty. Harleen took another bite of the red fruit. But Ivy does. Ivy doesn't have to care because she is pretty, she uttered through clenched teeth. The young doctor set the now bare apple core back on her tray. Do you often refer to yourself in the third person? Ivy took a deep, calming breath, realizing that this whole act was just a cleverly posed therapy session. That's two-faced shtick, we try not to step on each other's toes here. So you acknowledge that you and Pamela are the same person, Harleen popped another piece of gum into her mouth, she really had swallowed the last one. Of course, Ivy ran a hand through her hair. I'm not that crazy. No, Dr. Quinzel smiled. I don't think you are either. Chapter 7 Harley sat in the doctor's lounge updating her case notes. Her last session with Jonathan Crane had gone rather well, she thought. Their conversation was smooth, if not a little bizarre. Crane had been a mental health professional himself once, and it broke Harley's heart to have to put up with delusions that the patient could have easily diagnosed in himself. With all the doctors that end up in Arkham, the GCPD should start putting medical students on watch lists, she thought, chuckling to herself as she signed her name and date at the bottom of the report. Her impromptu session with Ivy had put her in an excellent mood. Although Harley didn't fully understand the extent of her patient's powers yet, she had confirmed that Pamela was more human than she thought. Harley had also come to the conclusion that Pamela was likely suffering from narcissistic personality disorder, which, although fairly obvious, was not denoted in her file. What happens when you give a narcissist superhuman abilities? Poison Ivy. That's what happens. Dr. Leland sat down on the couch next to Harley with an exhausted sigh. Long day? Harley asked, cheerfully. They're all long days, Dr. Quinn, the older woman said, her eyes partially closed. It's Quinzel, Harley corrected with a smile. She liked Dr. Leland, she was serious but also strong-willed and smart as a whip. Harley wondered if that's what Pamela would have grown up to be if she hadn't met Jason Woodrow. Of course, she probably still would have been a narcissist, but a narcissist for the greater good at least. I'm sorry, Leland mumbled. The Joker was my last session, and I always come out of those things worse than before. Oh. Harley was somewhat intrigued, after all, the Joker made for a fascinating psychological study, but what she really wanted was to tell Joan about the progress she'd made with Poison Ivy. Clarence told me you visited Isley's cell today. Harley almost squealed with joy at not having to bring the topic up herself. I did. Why? The woman asked, not looking at her. Well. Harley started, trying to sound a little less excited than she was. In our first session, Dr. Isley made a comment about how the whole vixen of the vines routine usually included the use of pheromones. But she used that word, she said routine. When I was a gymnast my specialty was the beam, 
I was pretty terrible on the floor so my coach would make me stay afterwards to practice my floor routine over and over and over again until it was perfect, Harley paused for a moment to make sure Joan was still listening. She was. The more I practiced the more I hated it, and come competition time, I was dreading it even though I could have done that routine in my sleep. So. Joan said, hoping to lead Harley to the end of her analogy. So. Harley said, I think that, at this point, the temptress act is nothing more than a floor routine, and Ivy is tired of it. But every time she gets into that setting with a doctor or an authority figure, she starts it up like she's on autopilot. Just like I could do my choreography with my eyes closed. Joan raised an eyebrow. Is your theory that poison Ivy is dissociating? Well, no. Not exactly, Harley told her. I'm saying that the only way to talk to the woman underneath it all is to disrupt her routine. Keep her on her toes because otherwise she'll wallop and start going through the motions. That's why I'd like to hold our next session outside. What? No. Absolutely not. There's grass in the yard, Dr. Quinzel, and she's poison ivy, Joan was adamant. Harley smiled and pushed her glasses back up the slope of her nose. I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt. The wind whipped at Harley's trench coat as she looked at her watch for what felt like the 100th time. Her long hair was pulled back into a ponytail rather than her usual bun, but the wind had even corrupted that by pulling her bangs out of their bobby pins. Bangs were fine for around the house or dinner with a friend, but in this professional setting Harley thought they made her look entirely too young. Unfortunately, she had a while before the grow-out would be flattering. Her teeth began to chatter and she thanked her lucky stars she'd worn black slacks and a red turtleneck that day rather than her usual skirt and blouse. And then she wasn't alone anymore. Harley gasped as the dark night materialized behind her. W.W. Where'd you? Dr. Quinzel. Batman interrupted her stammering. She nodded in confirmation. Harley had been a citizen of Gotham her whole life but had never been this close to Batman and he had certainly never addressed her directly. What you're doing here is risky. Even with me around, he warned in his gravelly voice. Harley nodded again, but was brave enough to speak this time. I really think it will be okay. If not, then I will go down for it without protest. Batman smirked, he liked this girl already. You're new here. That's right, Harley confirmed, trying to keep the hair out of her eyes. It's my first week. His cape flapped in the wind as he spoke, and they stuck you with poison ivy. That's a difficult assignment. Well, Dr. Leland and I are the only women on staff, and she seems to have her hands full with Joker, Harley pulled her coat tighter around her shoulders. Batman's jaw was clenched. I see you're learning from the mistakes of your predecessors. Ivy can't be trusted around men. Harley noted the shift in his expression and guessed there was probably some personal history there that she should look into. I think it's more that men can't be trusted around Ivy. To Harley's surprise, Batman nodded. Perhaps. A moment of silence passed between them as he sized her up once again. You won't know where I am, he said, finally. But as soon as I see her make a move, I'll be down there. You mean if you see her make a move, Harley clarified. 
Batman smirked again just before the two were hit by a gust of wind so powerful it knocked Harley off kilter. She steadied herself, but when she looked up the dark night was gone. Chapter 8 Pamela really had been done with her work, but she stayed all the same, checking an equation that she knew was correct. Every so often she would glance up at Professor Woodrow, who appeared to be repotting her test subjects into much smaller containers. She grimaced with each move he made, knowing that the plant's root systems would soon outgrow the containers he'd chosen. But she bit her tongue. He was a more senior expert than she, it was not her place. Pamela was checking her equation for the twelfth time when Woodrow finally finished whatever supremely unhelpful project he'd embarked on. She took that as her cue to leave and exchanged her lab coat for the down vest that hung on the back of her chair. Oh, Pam. Hang back for a second, would you? The professor asked. Sure thing, she gathered up her things and walked over to where he was now seated behind his desk. He smiled up at her, a sort of off-brand handsome hidden within his angular features. As I'm sure you know, I was supposed to announce my assistant sometime this week. Apprentice, Pamela corrected him, tucking a strand of loose hair behind her ear. He put his feet up on his desk contentedly. If you'd prefer, sure. Anyway, I've decided on you. Although, I doubt that's much of a shock. No, sir, she grinned sheepishly. It's still, well, I'm honored. Good, he said, gently rocking back and forth in his chair. Of course it will mean extra time spent with me here at the lab late nights, early mornings. Pam was still smiling. Whatever it takes. The sunlight jabbed poison ivy in the eye like a dull knife. It had been two weeks since she'd collected her vitamin D directly from the sun rather than a supplement, and although initially disorienting, she could already feel the nourishment soaking into her skin. She glanced down at her hands which had turned back to their usual healthy shade of green. Cooped up in a cell for two weeks, Ivy had begun to look human. Dr. Quinzel was off to Ivy's right, leaning against the weathered building. With the wind whipping about and her hair up in that ponytail Ivy decided Helene could pass for a sports model, the ones who were posed hiking outdoors with their Labrador retriever even though their bodies were clearly built in the gym. Your skin. Dr. Quinzel yelled over the weather. Photosynthesis. Ivy yelled back, walking towards her. Well, you look beautiful, Harleen told her once they'd reached a safe distance for the normal volume of a conversation. I know, Ivy deadpanned, as self-assured as a woman could be. Harleen shoved her hands in her pockets. Did Jason Woodrow think you were beautiful? Ivy crossed her arms, pulling them tightly to her chest. I'm past the point of caring what that meat sack thought. He's dead, she laughed with a hollow satisfaction. Decapitated. Twice now. Dr. Quinzel cleared her throat. Did you? Ivy sighed. Unfortunately, no. The bat did that, well the second time, at least. I'm sure there's a scientific explanation for how he was able to come back. Harleen tightened her ponytail, which was rebelling into just a loose mess of blonde hair. Ivy's striking features were softened by a tepid smile. There is an explanation for most things in this world, Harleen, she knelt down and pressed her hand into the grass. But there are other, more fantastic phenomena. A white lily grew up between her green fingers, that exceeds even the wildest imagination. She picked the flower and held it out to the young doctor. 
Dr. Quinzel took it from her, nose red from the cold and cheeks rosy from the gift. Why did you want to be a botanist? It was the only thing my mother let me share with her. She grew roses. Beautiful roses, but she restricted them. Trimmed them too finely, never allowing them to come into their own, Ivy told her, looking past the doctor out beyond the gate. She treated me just the same, like one of her roses. So you've always been a flower, Harleen's words dripped with pity. Ivy didn't answer, so she continued. Is that how Professor Woodra saw you? Professor Woodra lied to me, Ivy spat, her frustrated tone contradictory to her relaxed stance. He complimented your acumen, Dr. Quinzel said. He respected your intelligence. No, Ivy disagreed. He saw a shy girl, insecure in nearly every respect, and pounced. He locked me up and treated me like a human lab rat. Caged me like an animal, injecting me with any toxin that suited his fancy. He wasn't even taking notes at the end, he was just shooting stuff into my bloodstream for the fun of it, to see how long I'd hold out. He tortured me and took a lot of pleasure in doing it. Ivy watched her doctor's bravery falter. Why do you think he did it? She could feel herself beginning to lose control, feeling the poison coursing through her veins. Because he was a man and men break things just because they can. But those toxins he injected you with didn't kill you, they made you poison Ivy. Yes, Ivy let loose a mirthless laugh. It appears everything but my humanity survived. Pamela, Harleen said, taking Ivy's hand in hers. Why are you still giving him your power? I'm not. Ivy shouted, yanking her hand away. I am Mother Nature's chosen protector. I am the most powerful villain in Gotham City. Harleen's eyes grew wide, and all of a sudden she was an innocent, feeble child. Wanting to save the environment doesn't sound like the plot of a villain, Pamela. It sounds like a hero. Ivy was trembling with rage. I am only a villain to weak-minded humans who soil what the earth has so graciously afforded them in the name of personal wealth. But Pamela, Harleen said, far too bravely for the circumstances. Don't you see? You're villainizing your cause by association. My name is Poison Ivy, her jaw shook, and Ivy turned her palms to the sky, imploring the blackberry bushes in the corner of the yard to rear their heads like spiny serpents, needing to exercise her power before it overtook her. But just as they began slithering towards the doctor, Ivy was hit in the back of the head by the blunt side of a sharp object. Chapter 9 Harley sat quietly in a chair near the bed, watching Poison Ivy's chest slowly rise and fall. She was mesmerized by the serenity of her emerald features. The gauze that was wrapped around her head had tamed rather unruly red hair. The Arkham Asylum infirmary staff had diagnosed her with a concussion and stitched up the laceration left on the back of her head by the batarang. You don't actually need those, do you? Ivy asked rhetorically, her eyes still closed. Harley sat upright, alarmed at the sudden disturbance and a bit embarrassed for how intently she'd been staring. Your glasses, Ivy clarified when she didn't respond. They're not prescription, are they? Harley looked down at the round glasses she'd been absentmindedly twirling in her fingers. No, she admitted. They're not prescription. Ivy smiled, opening one eye and then the other. The accent, the glasses, you're an imposter, Harley. 
Harley quickly unfolded the glasses and pushed them back onto her face. It's Harleen. No, Ivy chuckled, Harleen is who your parents hoped you would be. But you're Harley. The girl next door, the guy's gal, the cool chick, the female jock. You always have your hair pulled back and would wear a sports bra every day if you could. You like cold pizza and action movies and would rather sit and watch the game than help your mom in the kitchen. Harley was blushing a deep shade of crimson and intently examining her shoes. You may have fooled them, Harley Quinzel, but I see you. It took me a second to figure you out, longer than it usually does, but I know what you want. Oh? Harley asked, pretending to be unamused. And what's that? A wicked grin spread Ivy's lips. You want someone to take charge. You want to be dominated. All right, Pamela, she emphasized. I think that's enough. Ivy leaned her head back into the pillow. There's no shame in it, Harley, really. Everybody wants something. I think that Batarang may have knocked a few screws loose, Harley crossed her arms. Your body language is communicating that you've closed yourself off, Ivy said. It had taken for days and some collateral head trauma, but she finally had Dr. Quinzel on her toes. See? Anyone can be a psychologist, they just have to watch. I'm a psychiatrist, and if you think diagnosing me as some cheesy Hollywood archetype, and then making a rather broad guess at my sexual preferences is therapy then it's no wonder you haven't ever made any progress here," Harley huffed. But was I right? Ivy asked, still wearing that feral smile. Your muscular definition is rather impressive, including the muscles in your neck which means. Whatever sport you played, you either expected contact, or it was important that your head be able to stay in line with your body. Usually, with tennis players the racket arm is slightly bigger than the other, but yours seemed to be symmetrical, so I don't think you played tennis." Harley shifted uncomfortably in her seat. She wasn't sure why she was allowing Ivy's eyes to prowl over her so aggressively, but for whatever reason she was powerless to stop her. It's not softball, that would be too on the nose and your legs tell me you've spent more time jumping than a softball player would. You're too dense to be a basketball player and your back is too wide for soccer." Harley was incredulous. Why do you know so much about this stuff? I work best outside. That's where I did my schoolwork and there was always some sort of athletic rehearsal going on," Ivy replied quickly. Harley rolled her eyes. It's practice, not rehearsal. Now can we wrap this up, Dr. Isley? You're wasting both of our time. Somewhere along the line you decided that I needed a friend. You realize that I respond negatively to authority figures and so you took a more relaxed approach. I respect you for that, no one else has ever been brave enough to regard me as anything other than a ruthless psychopath, so I applaud you for attempting to fish out my humanity. The problem is, me spilling my guts to you without anything in return does not make a friendship. I've decided I should learn some things about you for friendship's sake. Ivy watched as Harley swallowed. She had beat her at her own game, and Harley knew it. Naturally, my next guess would be track and field, but you're a bit top-heavy which contradicts the leg power required for those events. Taking all the variables into account, the only two conclusions I can draw is that you were either at least a for-sport athlete, or you were a gymnast, and because you maintained your grades well enough to attend college and then medical school, I'm going to assume it's the latter. You, Harley Quinzel, 
were a rather accomplished gymnast, weren't you? Harley scoffed. That's not psychology. That's just understanding body composition. You're right, Daffodil. And I will take that as a confirmation. Each sport requires a different mental approach as well as a physical one. Gymnastics is an extremely intense, all-encompassing hobby. At the higher levels it's really more a job than a recreational activity. You are used to extremely demanding authority figures. You've been conditioned that way. That is what you want. So I've compounded my previous assumption by looking at past behavior patterns. That's psychology, right? Is this punishment for my explanation of an ecosystem? Harley asked. Partially, Ivy chuckled, somewhat good-natured. And for bringing Batsy to my therapy session. Harley uncrossed her arms, stepping further back into her part of the doctor-slash-patient dynamic. I'm sorry if you feel like I betrayed you. Well, it's clear you can't trust me, doctor, Ivy leaned forward and gently pulled the glasses off of Harley's face, placing them on her lap. I know you're smart, Harley. You don't need the prop. Harley smiled despite herself. Okay, her voice came out hoarser than she'd intended. The doctors said they were on strict orders not to restrain me. Were they listening to you? Ivy asked. Harley nodded. I thought having you restrained in an enclosed space might be triggering. Plus, there aren't any plants in here, so I figured the risk or reward chances were in my favor. It only takes one kiss for me to gain complete control over a person, Harley, and my body is essentially a toxic waste dump so poisonous that extended time with me in an enclosed space can and has killed people. I don't need my plants to be dangerous. The risk is always greater than the reward. How Ivy could make comparing her body to a toxic waste dump sexy, Harley had no idea. Well, I thought the head injury might have slowed you down. Were you a collegiate gymnast? Ivy changed the subject. Harley sighed and moved to the foot of Ivy's hospital bed rather than the stiff folding chair she'd been sitting in. I was a scholarship collegiate gymnast, yes. MMM, Ivy noted the encroachment. I was even invited to the Olympic trials, Harley's proud smile was tainted with sadness. And? Ivy raised an eyebrow. And? Harley got up. This isn't my therapy session. I believe that's called deflection, doctor, Ivy said, teasingly batting her eyelashes. Harley chuckled. I think you should stick with plants and leave the therapy to me. Ivy shrugged. I think we can both agree that I would make a far better psychiatrist than you would a botanist. Can we call that a breakthrough, Dr. Quinzel? Harley leaned in close to the older woman's ear, her lips almost touching the emerald lobe. She held that position for a moment before whispering, no. Chapter 10 Dr. Leland was waiting for Harley outside the infirmary. I have to hand it to you, Dr. Quinzel, that could have gone a lot worse. I don't see how, Harley told her, wishing with every fiber of her being that she could just go home. She's so right through me. And you were expecting to fool her. Leland raised her eyebrows incredulously. Honey, Dr. Pamela Isley has a higher IQ than me and you put it together. And she won't hesitate to remind us, either, Harley balked. You're right, Dr. Leland chuckled. She's the worst of them, Dr. Quinzel. I told you that on your first day. 
She and Joker, two peas in a pod if you ask me. Harley swallowed back the bizarre bout of anger that was climbing up her throat. She suddenly felt the overwhelming need to defend her patient. At least Ivy's mania is predictable. She has a cause and she fights for it. The Joker breaks things just because he can. Harley trailed off, realizing that she was just regurgitating one of Ivy's earlier statements. Hmm. Leland looked at her sideways. You know, if you ever wanted to take a crack at Joker, I could let you have a few sessions with him. If you want some space from Isley. No, Harley shook her head. I'm fine. I just need to adjust my approach. Well, maybe you don't, Leland put her hands on her hips. I read your notes. Narcissistic personality, a series of negative experiences with authority figures, her knowing your play might actually enhance your current strategy. Harley nodded slowly. Because even in an actual friendship she'd want to know that she was superior in some way. Right, Leland agreed. But even though she thinks she's better, Isley is just as obsessed with Batman as the other rogues are. Because she sees him as something nearing an intellectual equal. She's competitive, Harley was smiling now. She wants a matchup that she can just barely win. She wants to be challenged but not defeated. That would be my guess, Leland said. I'll see you tomorrow, Dr. Quinzel. Harley set her briefcase down on the dining room table with such a reverent force that water spilled out of her new green flower vase. Harley assumed the daffodils would have wilted by now, but to her surprise, they were as vibrant as the day they'd shown up in her office. Harley took a moment to appreciate the bright cluster of yellow. My name is not Daffodil, she mumbled and grabbed a dish towel from the counter, erasing the spill in one sweeping motion. Her next stop was the kitchen where she pulled her last two pieces of pizza out of the fridge. So Ivy was right about her liking it. Who cares? Everyone likes pizza. That doesn't prove anything. Harley carried her dinner back to the table where she set it down on the wood surface without a plate or napkin. She cursed when her sweater got stuck on her earring, as she was attempting to pull the red cashmere over her head. It was the most expensive piece of clothing she owned, and now here it was, snagging on her cheap TJ Maxx faux diamonds. Harley made her way to the bedroom and attempted to untangle the mess in front of her full-length mirror. Her abs flexed as the metal yanked on her earlobe until she was finally able to separate the two. She studied herself in the mirror for a moment. Her parents had raised her as an athlete, enrolling her in just about every after-school sports program in existence. They weren't rich but they certainly valued the concept of teamwork. Her parents hadn't expected Harley to gravitate towards gymnastics the way she did. The lessons were the most expensive of all her activities and Harley knew all the time, and energy she dedicated to the sport had been taken away from her life at home. She stood in front of the mirror, looking at the body the sport had given her and remembering the day she'd dishonored it. With a sigh, she removed her bra and pulled on a baggy t-shirt with the words, Gotham State, printed on the front along with her alma mater's insignia. Harley shoved the first piece of pizza into her mouth greedily once she was back at the table. She'd neglected lunch in favor of her extended visit to the infirmary and now wished she had a whole pizza instead of just the two slices. With a sigh, she plopped down into the chair at the head of the table and pulled her briefcase towards her, sliding it over the stained cherry wood. Pamela Lillian Isley, she said, releasing the latches on the leather case.
Pamela, she opened the lid. Pamelam. Harley reached inside and grabbed the file. Pamelama ding dong, she skipped past the first few pages. Pammy McPhee. She raised her eyes and cocked her head. Does that work? No, she decided, focusing her attention back on the woman's file. Hmm, District Attorney Harvey Dent. She read. The name sounded familiar. Wait. Harvey Dent, that's, um, Two-Face. Ivy dated Two-Face. She asked her empty apartment. There's no way that wasn't a nasty breakup. She read a little further. Ha. Harley laughed when she learned Ivy had tried to kill. Harvey. Told you so, she stopped when she heard her accent slipping. I told you so, she repeated, focusing on crisp enunciation. Harley got up from the table and began to pace, willing the gears in her head to start turning. Harley did not like sitting still, and moving always helped her think. Wealthy, emotionally distant parents, nothing about abuse in there so it's more about neglect, she mumbled, her hands clasped behind her back. Her mother treated her like a rose, so, appearance over substance, they didn't care about her accomplishments. Harley stopped in her tracks like she'd been commanded to and planted her hands on the floor, kicking her legs up into a handstand. She took a few steps forward with her hands, and then back, tightening her stomach muscles to keep her body straight. She needed someone to notice her for something other than her looks, she needed validation. Harley's face began to get red from the blood rushing to her head. She needed intellectual validation from an authority figure. She again walked her hands in a tight circle. Jason Woodrow, her professor, a leader in his field. Harley returned her feet to the ground and righted herself, pulling her shirt down as she landed. She furrowed her brow. He didn't seduce her. He flattered her. It's not about. Harley's face broke out into a wide grin and she skipped back over to the table, grabbing a pen and writing her words as she spoke them. Not about sex, she wrote the last word in capital letters. About validation, she circled validation and drew a dark line under it. Trophy slash sexual object equals attention, Harley capped the pen triumphantly and pointed at Ivy's mugshot like she'd just fingered her in a lineup. Get ready for your fucking breakthrough.